Hey y'all, welcome to Emergency Medicine Memoirs, a teen's perspective on emergency medicine. This podcast provides a place for EMS professionals and ER doctors to share their experiences and insights. From first-hand accounts of medical emergencies to discussions on the latest advancements in the field, this podcast will provide a unique and valuable perspective on the world of emergency medicine. Join us as we explore the challenges and triumphs of this exciting and dynamic field through the eyes of a teenager. Hello, I am Noah, Noah Jimenez. I am a medic for Austin Travis County, EMS. So what got you into EMS? Well, that is a question I've been asked quite a few times in my life, and I don't really have a great answer for it. Um, when I was in college and, you know, deciding what to do with my life, I had a completely different path going out. I was a music major. Yeah, I studied uh, jazz um, pedag- pedagogy. So I did that, and one day I just kind of realized, like, hey, I'm not going to make a living af- off this. I'm like I enjoy it but it's just not like a job um at the same time that I was going to school for that I was a lifeguard um in the area I also did this thing where I was like a substitute nurse for the school district that's cool um you don't actually have to be a nurse to do Uh that you just have to have like basic first aid and stuff and you give emergency medicines to like kids and I was like, hey, I kind of like this. Maybe I'll look into something like that. I thought about nursing school. I thought about all that kind of stuff, going to med school. And I was like, no, what? that doesn't sound fun to me. Uh-huh. What sounds like a good job is, you know, EMS and being on an ambulance, going, you know, lights and sirens and handling yeah. that. And that's kind of what got me into EMS. That's pretty cool. Since you've been in EMS for some time now, what do you think was one call that you've learned the most from hmm. learn the most from I don't know that's an interesting question I'll have to think about that let's come back okay to <laughs> I'll just ask that later on in this area of Austin what is the most common call type you see and do you have a lot of high priority calls or is it kind of all spread out you know it's kind of funny in Austin you meet some of the best EMTs and paramedics that you have ever had uh-huh. um, work with, had the pleasure of working with some of the smartest people running just the lowest acuity calls that you really? have ever seen. That's how I feel about it. Um, I used to run higher acuity calls back where I'm from in California, but you know we had smart or dumber paramedics out there uh-huh. in my opinion. So I feel like, in general, like a lot of the uh, the staff here is very knowledgeable, especially mm-hmm. like pathophys-wise. The paramedics are great, except for Dominique. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Make sure you leave that in. <laughs> and we're just running, like, priority four falls all the time and, like, priority right. four sick and uh-huh. priority five unknown. Like, it's just the same thing over and over again. A lot of um, the homeless population calling. And it's not always, like, it's not always for absolutely no reason. Like, there are legitimately people that are, yeah. are sick. There's just not a ton of high-priority calls. Right. For mm-hmm. high-priority, I would say the 
most common would probably be like priority two respiratory. Got it. Um, especially okay. lately after like getting over COVID and everything. And for our listeners who don't really know what entails in a respiratory call, can you kind of explain that? Sure. So like in a respiratory call, it can be anything from like an asthma attack to an anxiety attack. It's just kind of the way that the call is dispatched. Um, if you say you're having trouble breathing mm-hmm. and it seems like it has started in a recent amount of time versus like, oh, I've been having trouble breathing for the last like 10 years. Right. Yeah. Then it's going to come out as a higher priority call because obviously your airway and your respiratory um, system is one of the things that we want to protect the most because it's one of your vital systems of keeping you alive. Okay. Got it. And what differentiates a low acuity call versus a high acuity call? Well, I would say that probably the biggest difference is how life-threatening it is. Mm -hmm. So, for example, cardiac arrest is usually our highest priority because, obviously, in a cardiac arrest, you are dead or dying. Yeah. And that's our highest priority Mm -hmm. versus our lowest priority, which is typically priority five. And most priority fives, the way they can be set apart from like a priority four of the same nature Mm -hmm. is the time frame. So if it's like priority four, sick, like I'm nauseous and it Mm -hmm. just started. Yeah. That's priority four. Got it. Typically. And a priority five, it's like I'm nauseous, but I've been nauseous for like a week. Yeah. And I haven't had anything. So if it hasn't killed you in the week, it's not our highest priority right not to say that it's not important especially to the person that calls it's just our way of triaging it okay and are there like trucks that solely run high acuity calls or there are not trucks that solely run high acuity calls however there are trucks that solely run low acuity calls got it um we don't have them up much right now Mm -hmm. but they're aid trucks they're typically bls trucks We have one as a trial right now, but it's hardly ever staffed. Mm -hmm. But I hear that the plan is to be creating more of those so that they can respond to those lower acuity calls and just kind of ease the workload of the rest of the system. Got it. So earlier you mentioned that you've gotten shifted around a lot as per your station. Sure. In this station, at least for this week, or whichever station you've been in, What has your call type looked like? Have you had any interesting calls? Yeah, I mean, I would say that since I've started working here in general, I get a lot of priority four falls. Uh You know, just older people that fall, hit their head, stuff like that. I probably get one of those, like, almost once a shift. Oh, okay. At least. There's priority four falls a lot, and they range in how serious they are. They're like... Some of them are nothing, like, hey, I fell, and I just kind of needed help up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm not hurt. And some are like, hey, I fell, and I hit my head, and it's bleeding. And it just just varies, but I feel like that call comes up a lot. Got it. Cool. Um, Now, this is a question I like asking a bunch of different, you know, emergency medicine professionals, just because it's interesting to see how everyone's responses differ. But what equipment on the truck do you find yourself using the most often or find the most useful? Hmm. What equipment? Interesting. That's a good question. I feel... Man. I use Zofran a lot, kind of. I feel like I like to give Zofran a lot. Yeah, I give Zofran a lot. Just because 
I don't like people vomiting on me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of prophylactic Zofran too. Could you explain what that is? It's basically giving someone something before they need it. Okay. Um, for example, the other day I had someone overdose mm-hmm. on something that he thought was Xanax. Mm-hmm. It was street Xanax though, Got and it. street drugs are often laced with something that is not what they said it was. Right. So this Xanax probably had some sort of opiate in it. Mm-hmm. Probably fentanyl, based off of like just kind of the uh, flavor of the street right now. Mm-hmm. So he was There's found... There's a flavor of the street. Uh, flavor of the street, yeah. It's fentanyl. A lot of fentanyl going around in this day and age. Interesting. I know back in the day, like in the 70s, 60s, it was more like heroin, uh-huh. I think. Um, I heard it was PCP from someone a while ago. That might have been like the 80s. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, PCP, is it an opioid? I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't think PCP is an opioid. Okay. So while you can overdose on anything yeah. from Benadryl to, you know, like fentanyl, mm-hmm. uh, there's just like different side effects. So like with the opioids like heroin or fentanyl right now, that depresses your respiratory system, causes you to stop breathing. Yeah. And that's something we don't like. But like I said, for example, I gave this gentleman... Um, some Narcan Mm -hmm. because he was overdosed he was found blue, unresponsive and apneic, we gave him some Narcan and it reversed the effects of the opioid which is cool that's Mm -hmm. what we want, however this dude looked very pale very um, very just, you know, sick I was talking to my partner of the day, who was not Dominique because I had started an IV on him, I had given him Narcan through the IV, and I was considering giving him some um, Zofran mm-hmm. on Danzatron, which is, you know, an anti-nausea medication. My partner was against it, because he was kind of against giving medication for no reason, mm-hmm. but I thought, you know what, let's just, let's just do it, it'll yeah. help. And he, he adamantly said no, he was higher... Um, licensed than me, you know, uh-huh. being paramedic and advanced EMT, so he's licensed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I held off, and yeah. then my patient immediately vomited. Okay. And he changed his mind. He said, "You know what? Why don't you give that?" <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next, the next um, overdose we had, we gave Narcan, and I gave, you know, I gave some Zofran to. Right. <laughs> hey, I don't want you to vomit on me later, like yeah. the last guy did. So learn from your mistakes, do better. <laughs> Um, yeah, I find myself giving Zofran a lot. Okay, interesting. There's not really too much harm that you can give with Zofran anyways, uh-huh. except in, like, one specific case, but you don't see it all that much. Got it. And Zofran is, like, an anti-emetic, or is it, like, anti-almetic? I'm not sure. It's, um, it's an anti-nausea medication. Anti-nausea. So it helps with that. There's a few side effects of it, like, um, it can get you constipated sometimes. Okay. Uh, happens to my partner. Doesn't happen to me, <laughs> luckily. But um, make sure you leave this all in. This is good stuff. <laughs> and yeah, it can kind of uh, make you a little constipated. And then the uh, biggest problem is if you have like a elongated QT uh-huh. interval on your like EKG, it can make that worse. What can it do? I forget. It sends you to what? You know, I read up on it, and there's no 
evidence of like the speed of the push it's just in general the drug with the QT syndrome anyways yeah so Um, we're we're very careful when we give that mm -hmm. um I'm gonna go back to that earlier question so I was just wondering um what call since you've worked in EMS for quite some time now what call have you learned the most from or if this is a preferred question which call was the most memorable call I like the memorable one okay let's go with that so the most memorable call I have had was I think actually my first call in EMS after I cleared this was years ago Uh in California um me and my partner it was our first day together like being cleared from you know training Mm -hmm. we got stationed out in the county of Los Angeles so closest hospital is about 50 minutes away Mm -hmm. and there's nothing around like there's no buildings there's Mm -hmm. no schools there's it's just kind of the middle of nowhere the only thing in this little town Mm -hmm. is a uh, flying j truck stop that's where you get everything so we were hanging out there it's pretty slow area we got a call for a traumatic injury from a motor vehicle accident or mvc okay um took us almost two hours to find the person oh wow yeah because it was the middle of nowhere uh-huh. even though we are 45 minutes out from civilization there were another 45 minutes past uh-huh. that all we got was an intersection we went to the intersection took us about 30 minutes to get there uh-huh. we went 10 miles or about five miles 10 minutes mm-hmm. each way okay until we found the person um, which happened to be the last way that we checked oh, because wow. we just kept going down the road. Person was very old Mima, uh-huh. probably in her late 70s, was riding a motorcycle with her husband when they hit a deer. Okay. So she went flying down uh-huh. the road, had a bunch of road rash, um, had open sores, open cuts, uh-huh. open gashes. Uh-huh bugs were in there because she had been laying there for about two hours oh, wow. mm-hmm. but she was relatively okay that's actually mm-hmm. so we patched her up we used backboards in los angeles so we put her on that cleared the c-spine or sorry secured her c-spine mm-hmm. put her on and we helicoptered her out of there um that one was a fun call yeah it was fun to watch plus it was like my first call ever yeah we got a helicopter right then and there yeah, had to drive to awesome. the landing zone and um yeah and that partner is like one of my best friends so that's one of the calls we remember together that's pretty cool yeah um are the backboards the ones that they have like regulations against here in Austin? so <laughs> so we don't yes yes so we use backboards here more for an extrication purpose uh-huh. um, or to carry someone. So they don't really teach it too much anymore, uh-huh. but typically we used them to keep someone straight and yeah. on a rigid surface. What they did studying was they found that that causes more damage than it should. Mm-hmm. So when you keep the spine all aligned Mm -hmm. it helps when you think about it but like 
it's so rigid and hard that yeah. moving on it can cause some damage. Okay. So now we pretty much just use it for extrication. Got it. Um, the way we use it for extrication is like if you're in a car seat, mm-hmm. you know, sitting forward, um, let's say like hands toward the steering wheel and uh-huh. you're there and you're stuck and you just can't move. I don't know. You broke something. You yeah. can't get out. We put the backboard under your butt okay. like that. Someone holds it out long ways. And then what we do is we rotate the whole body and we use it to slide you out. And then pretty much we just put okay. you on something else. We secure your C-spine just uh-huh. straight to the stretcher because it does the same thing. Okay. And yeah. uh, that's how we use that. We still carry them on the ambulance. Yeah. Most have at, at least one, if not two, okay. backboards. But, you know, it's just kind of there in case we need it. Got it. Um, pretty sure it floats too. So uh-huh. if you ever... If you're ever in a tight situation. Yeah. Cool. Um, now I have one last question. Sure. So this is a podcast to, you know, um, spread more information about EMS to other teens and just provide more knowledge um, about emergency medicine. So what would you say is the best way for a teen to get involved in emergency medicine or just kind of get, you know, a feel for how it's like? how it is mm-hmm. well i think that one of the best ways is kind of doing what you're doing uh-huh. found an explorer program you get to ride out you get to learn a lot of the things that i didn't learn until i was in college uh-huh. if i had started in high school i'd be way better than i am now mm-hmm. you know it took me years of just like understanding the pathophysiology and just hearing it over and over yeah. and over again until it actually like sat with me yeah, yeah. and keep in mind I'm not like the most book smart person mm-hmm. I w- was never really like studying medicine yeah. and all that I mean I went to college for music <laughs> let's not assume I'm the smartest <laughs> student in the world in the room um but I think what you're doing is great you come you learn you watch us who've been doing this for years mm-hmm. you just get to watch second hand and you get to learn that way And I think that being there on the call, seeing how it's done, while you don't have the responsibility Uh of like, you know, hey, this guy's life is in my hands. Yeah. You just get to watch and take in. I think that's a good way to learn, get it into your system Mm -hmm. and then just, you know, study that pathophysiology while you can, while you're young, while you're fresh. Uh Um, If I had done as much time learning medical as I did music I'd be amazing uh-huh. so yeah good job keep doing what you're doing all the other explorers keep doing that I'm really glad that there's this program here yeah we didn't have an EMS program uh-huh. in California we only had fire explorers right. or mm-hmm. police explorers mm-hmm. so that's uh that's what I say awesome. stick to it thank you so much no problem thanks for listening If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. That's all for this episode, y'all. See you next time.